0: Shalom, this is Rabbi Brian. If these podcasts have been a blessing to you, will you consider sponsoring a child at our orphanage in Haiti? Our orphanage is called Beth Chesed, which means house of kindness in Hebrew. We care for about 40 children. We feed them, shelter them, educate them, and of course teach them about our Lord, Yeshua, the Messiah. Visit That's www.bethchesed.org. That's org to sponsor a child or give a tax-deductible donation. I appreciate you considering it. Now enjoy this podcast recorded at our Mishkan David Shabbat service in Rhode Island. Shalom. Okay, Um, so in this Torah portion, uh, we find something that I find intriguing and, and powerful and meaningful. I have found, now this is just a simple rule, it's not a principle you can always apply, but I find sometimes that the first Usage of a Hebrew word in the Torah provides insight into the essence of what that word actually means. Revelation on its real, authentic meaning. For instance, the word, the verb, love, ahav, the verb, love, love. Now, what does Scripture, what does the New Testament say love is? Yeah, I was more thinking of what Yeshua did for us. There's no greater love than this. And it's and yeah, so Father, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. The first instance of the Hebrew word to love, the verb to love, is it says, Abraham, go bring your son who you love up to the mountain and sacrifice him, which I believe is the Old Testament sister verse of God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Uh, if you look at, and I've taught about this, if you look at the, the first instance of the Hebrew word sukkah, which is the tabernacle that is built in the, in the Jewish holiday, the biblical holiday of Sukkot, Feast of Tabernacles, the first instance of it, we see Jacob building it as a shelter for his animals, which in that first instance gives us the reality that a sukkah is a manger, which can be used to come to the conclusion that Yeshua was born on the Feast of Tabernacles, Sukkot. Uh, There are others. The the first time that the word Mashiach, which is the Hebrew word for Messiah, is used, which is really, really great, because in Judaism, the Messiah doesn't have any priestly function, you know, to bear the sins of the people, to take on the sins of the people. That's a priestly function. But in Judaism, you know, even if you're talking to a Jewish person about the Messiah, they'll say, well, the Messiah is not a priest. The Messiah is king. Priests are from Aaron, and the kings are from Judah, from the line of David. The first instance of the word Mashiach is HaMashiach. No, it's HaKohen HaMashiach, the anointed priest. And it talks about how the priest takes on the sins of the people. In the first instance of the Hebrew word for Messiah, it's, a pri- it's, it's about the priest, how he takes on the sins of the people. So even in that, there is revelation, there is uh, understanding of the essence of what the Mashiach, the Messiah, is going to do. So in this Torah portion, we see the first instance of the Hebrew word Shabbat, Sabbath. Now, we, we've heard seventh day, you know, like God rested on the seventh day. But the actual word Sabbath is the first time seen in our weekly Torah portion of Bishalach. So to get to the, to the context of where this word is used, let me take a step back. The children of Israel are now in the wilderness. So goodbye, Egypt. Hello, wilderness. So they're in the wilderness and they wake up one morning and they find that the, the land is filled with what it says is a, a flaky substance. Which they didn't know what it was, so they named it and they called it uh, manna. In Hebrew, it's just man. So they named it and that was essentially their daily bread. The scripture says that they took this manna as much as they needed for this, their household. Some took a little. Some took a lot, and it was, it was their daily bread. If they took a little, it was enough. If they took a lot, it sustained them. There was none left over. It was the perfect amount for the day. It was sufficient for the day, as Chris's song says. And it, it's exactly what Yeshua was talking about when he said, give us this day our daily bread. When he was asked, how do we pray? And he said, Avinu Shabbat Shammayim, our father in heaven. Holy is your name. He said, give us this day our daily bread. It was a direct connection to the manna. Because the manna was just for the day. If anybody took this manna and kept it for the next day, it's spoiled. This is why Yeshua also said, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow takes care of itself. It's also a, a, a connection to the manna that it was just for today, it was not for tomorrow. And it's just a, a daily miracle, and it's, it's our reminder that the God of miracles gives us a miracle every day. He gives us what we need every single day. So this substance, this manna is only supposed to last one day, except on Shabbat, where the children of Israel had to go out and they had to gather twice the amount. There's no miracle in that. You gather twice, it lasts lasts longer. But this substance that is designed by God to only last one day, if the children of Israel do their part and go out and gather this thing, God will do the miracle and make what they gathered supernaturally last longer than it naturally can. The miracle is that the children of Israel did their part in the gathering and God did something spectacular. He took something and made it extend the shelf life beyond its natural shelf life. And to me, this speaks of the, of the, what's the word? Is this symbiotic relationship? Is that right? Scientists? It's like, you know, like two organisms that kind of Okay, there you go. The symbiotic relationship between God and man, where we do our part and God does something spectacular with it. And that's the essence of the Shabbat. You know, religion and law turns it into, okay, you're not supposed to work, so tell me what the definition of work is. And that's a necessary thing. Israel had to do that. You know, if God gives a commandment, don't work on Shabbat, and there's, there's groups of judges that are, are set to actually determine if somebody broke the Shabbat, you pretty darn well know, you, what the, you know what are the rules and regulations as far as what you can and can't do. And that's something that I believe evolved over time in Israel. But the essence of Shabbat, It's not just the rest. It's what you've done for the six days and rested. And God takes it from there and does a miracle with what you've done, what you've gathered. We see the same thing this this symbiotic relationship. We see it even with the crossing of the Red Sea. Now, this Torah portion is an amazing Torah portion. It has the crossing of the Red Sea, which, you know, of all the amazing stories in the Bible, this is it's got to be in the top three. You know, probably just under the death and resurrection of the Mashiach, you have this amazing story where God split the sea and the children of Israel walked into it on dry, on dry ground and the enemies of the people of Israel were, were drowned in it. And it's just such an amazing revelation just in that because God brought the people to the border, to the sea intentionally. He brought him right to it. He could have went another way as was, as, as was read today. And it says they turned him around and brought him to the sea. And that's just always a reminder that sometimes God will bring you to the situation, to the circumstance that is impossible, just so he can prove himself that all things are possible. Just He brings you to the circumstance where there doesn't seem to be a way, just so he can prove that with God, he makes a way where there is no way. And he intentionally brought them there. But it's interesting when they were at the sea and the Israel and the and the Egyptian armies were behind them, Moses did what religious people do. He started to pray. That sounds like a good thing, but God's answer was very unique. God said, Moses, why are you crying to me? Tell the people to start walking. In other words, Stop praying and start moving. In other words, I have something spectacular planned, but it's predicated on the people having that little spice, that little pinch of faith to move. And when the people move, I'm going to do the amazing. Do you see it? Do you see it? The extraordinary miracle is predicated on the movement of the people. And this idea, I have to say, is like my life, not verse, it's like my life message. Because I feel so strongly that when we give what we can and then rest, God takes that and does the miracle with it. It's the loaves and the fishes. It's the loaves and the fishes. It's that we bring what we can. And Yeshua, our way maker, our miracle worker, takes it and feeds the multitude. And that, by the way, was more than a multitude because we see that it's 12 baskets, and 12 baskets represents... All of Israel. So remember that your little loaves and fishes is enough to feed a nation. So you may not think that what you have to bring is a whole lot, but when you bring your little loaves and fishes, it's enough to feed a whole nation. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And I see that. I see when people do what they can and they let God do the rest, miracle happens. I I know stories of where uh, where couples were infertile where they couldn't have children. So they got to the place where they did what they could, which was adopt. And after they adopted, wouldn't you know it, they became pregnant. I know multiple families that have that exact story. And I believe it's the same principle. When you do what you can, God does the miracle. Pick up your mat and walk. Hallelujah. Okay, pick up your mat and walk. Okay, so there was a man, he was, a para, para, he was paralyzed, he was a paralytic. Isn't a paralytic somebody that works in a legal office? Paralegal. paralegal. Maybe he was a paralytic paralegal. <laughs> <The> paralegal. <laughs> The paralytic, he goes over to the pool of Bethesda, which was probably a mikveh pool uh, in, in, in Israel connected to the temple, and he goes there every day. He goes there every day. It says that uh, the, the, the lame, the blind, the sick, and the withered went there. Boy, that's a party. That's a pool party. I, I, I'm just kidding. That's a holy convocation right there. If there's a place where there is the the lame, the blind, the sick, and the withered, I see a mishkan. It makes me want to shut the service over here and have service over there. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. So he goes there every day, and uh, he's looking because there was this thought. It may have just been a myth or something. I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me. It was probably just a myth that, that at a certain time, an angel would stir the water, would disturb the water, and then the first person that jumped in got healed. So it was probably just a myth, but, but that, was his, that was his gathering of the manna for six days. That was his gathering. That was, what he, that was his offering of what he could do in the natural. Because that was all he could do, and it was, he went there every day because you know, cause he was paralyzed that when the waters did get stirred up, somebody else would jump in ahead of him. Did a little, you know, high jump over him. And he was left, but he came, and it says he was sick for 38 years. That's a long time. But that was his little six days you gather, and then you stop, because in the right time, Somebody came to town. The Lord of Shabbat came to town. The one who is greater than the temple came to town. He was waiting for the angel to stir the waters, but somebody came to town that knows a little bit about stirring the waters. The one that came to town is the one that stirred up the waters 1,500 years before in this Torah portion. With the breath of his nostrils, he parted the waters. Yes, somebody came to town who knows a little bit about stirring up the waters. He said, you want to be well? He said, yes, I want to be well. And he did not speak healing over him. He spoke action over him. He said, pick up your mat and walk. He didn't speak, you are healed. He said, pick up your mat and walk. It took action for this man to receive his healing. It's the intersection of the action of man and the miracle of God again. Witness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then the religious do what the religious do. Why are you carrying your mat on Shabbat? You know, they go back to the the do's and the don'ts. And I have no problem that, you know, a law system needs to know the confines of the law. But they went right back to that and missed the essence. Why are you carrying your mat on Shabbat? Who told you to do that? Nothing to do with the healing. Why are you carrying your mat on Shabbat? And then Yeshua said to them, which I believe again is the essence of the day, of the Shabbat day. He said, my father is working unto this day, and so am I. That's the essence of the day, that for six days God worked in creation and then rested on the seventh day. And since then, we work for six days and rest, and God does the miracle on Shabbat. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, let's give him a shout of praise for what he does while we're resting. Hallelujah. We do, and we rest, and God does the extraordinary. There are two things that can get in the way with this. just two human spirits that get in the way with it. Number one, there's the spirit of people that want to work and not rest at all. And then there's the spirit of people who want to just rest entirely and not do any work. So the people that, that, for those of us that, that, that just work and, 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 and don't rest, this is the, like, I can fix this spirit. I can fix this. And it's good. I have no problem with that. It's good to have the motivation to, to, to do something, to look at your life, to look at your circumstance and your challenges and your relationship challenges and your financial challenges say, I could, I could do this. And I, I believe in that spirit. I think it's a, it's a good spirit. But it takes wisdom to know when, when you've reached the sixth day where you need to rest and let God do the miracle. Remember, when the people went out and gathered on Shabbat, tried to gather the manna on Shabbat, there was no manna to be had. If you overwork it, when you should be resting, you will find no sustenance. You will find no provision but it takes, it takes wisdom in spirit to know that I've worked on this relationship as far as I can, but now I've got to take a step back and let God do the spectacular. I've worked on this issue as much as I could. Now I've got to take a step back. That's wisdom, in, that's wisdom. and that's the miracle. That's the loaves and the fishes. And then there's the spirit of people who, those of us, who don't want to work and just want to rest and don't do work. I, I I talk to a lot of people about their challenges in life. And very often my first, you know, a, a family issue or a marital issue or a... A financial issue or an addiction issue whatever the whatever the issue is whatever our personal issues are very often my my first answer or my first response is okay what are you doing about it okay so what are you doing about it i'm waiting on the lord waiting on the lord Well, waiting on the lord is a holy thing it's holy it's it talks in the psalms I wait for the Lord. My soul waits more than those who watch for the morning. My soul waits. But I believe that that waiting on the Lord is predicated on that there's nothing else you can do. You are reliant only on the Lord. I've done everything I could do with this sickness. I rely on the Lord now. I rely on the Lord. But you know every every spiritual reality, such as like waiting on the Lord, every spiritual reality has like a has like a, an evil counterfeit, and the counterfeit for waiting on the Lord is like a spiritual laziness, or a, or a lethargy, or an inactivity, immobile, being immobile, maybe because of fear, where you don't you're afraid. Like I don't know which way to go. I can go this way, and my life's going to be ruined, or I can go this way, and things, and I don't know what to do, so I'm just going to stay here, and I'm just not going to move. You know, when Yeshua says, pick up your mat and walk, you better pick up your mat and walk. I think there are a lot of people that are, sta- that are staying on their mats long after Yeshua said to pick it up and go. Don't be afraid. You're not going to make a mistake. To those who are dealing with, like, immobilization in the spirit. I'm telling you, this is my life message to me. You're not going to make a mistake. Don't be afraid. Don't be terrified. The Lord your God is with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He will charge his angels concerning you. They will guard you. They will bear you up. So you will not hit your foot against a stone. Do you know what the, 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 the funny thing is about hitting your foot against the stone? I have stubbed my toes many times, and I'm still here. And you have stubbed your toe many times, and you're still here. Because if you stub your toe, you just learn that, okay, that's the wrong way. I'm gonna go this way now. So be encouraged and do not fear. If you're in a place where you feel immobile because, like, you know, I, I have two choices. I can go this way or this way, and I don't know which way, way the Lord is. You can wait on the Lord. But I tell you, I tell you in spirit right now, with authority, don't be afraid to move. If you trust the Lord, he will guide your steps. Even if you go this, even if your destiny, your, your purpose and your destiny is this way, and you go, okay, God, this way. You know, if you take one step this way and your destiny is that way, you are one step closer to your destiny. You're not one step farther from your destiny. You're one step closer to your destiny because God will guide you from here. The vision is always clearer from the next step. Write that one down. The vision is always clearer from the next step. Whatever the next step is. So don't be afraid to move. Don't be afraid to move. This is the, 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 the essence of the Sabbath. That we move with a little sprinkle of faith, with a little mustard seed sprinkle, a little dash of mustard, and God will do a miracle. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So don't look at your challenges in life as like this big insurmountable issue. Look at them as little bite-sized conquerable bits. Don't look at your situations as some Goliath like Saul King Saul did and some of the other soldiers where they just say there's no way we can handle this. Just bring your loaves and fishes. Just bring your loaves and fishes whatever that is and God will do an increase. Of that King David brought his loaves and fishes in front of Goliath he brought his five stones with a little sprinkle of faith and he knocked that giant down so you look at your circumstance and you say to it (laughs) you look at your circumstance and you say to it who is this uncircumcised Philistine to taunt the armies of God you come with spear and javelin and sword I come in the name of the Lord (laughs) hallelujah Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So today we've learned that the spirit and the essence of Shabbat that we see in the first time in the, the first time in this Torah portion work when it is day because the night is coming where there will be no work. And when we work while it is day, God will take our little loaves and fishes. When we reach out to those that we need to repair our relationship with loaves and fishes. Send out your resumes if you're unemployed. Loaves and fishes. Go to that 12-step meeting if you have an addiction. Loaves and fishes. I've do your household budget for your financial problems. Loaves and fishes. Confess the sin that you've been keeping secret. Loaves and fishes. And God will do the miracle. Ten men saw the land and said, we can't take this. Two men said, We can do this. I think as a people, we need to revive and resurrect our we can do this spirit. Yes. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Hallelujah!
1: Behold, I go before you. See the land I've set out before you. It's a land spacious and broad, and great is your inheritance in me says the Lord. Set out into this land that I have placed before you. Do not be afraid, for I go with you. Do not be afraid of the giants. Look only to me. Keep your eyes fixed on me. I will lead you safely through. I will bring you into your inheritance. As you keep looking to me, I will fight your enemies. I am mighty in war. I am the captain of hosts. I go before you. I'm preparing the way. Keep walking, keep marching, keep possessing your land. Do not grow weary in doing well, for in due season you shall reap. Faint not, faint not. Call upon me, and I will strengthen you. I will come to you. I will strengthen your hands for war. Keep praising me. Keep honoring me. Lift your hands to me. This is your powerful weapon of warfare. Praise me. Call upon me. I will strengthen you to praise me. And as you praise me, I will defeat your enemies. Be bold and courageous. Be very bold and courageous. The enemy roams around seeking whom he may devour. Keep your battle clothes on. Keep your armor on. Lift up your voice in praise and see the walls come tumbling down. See and watch your enemy be defeated. See the land I am laying out before you. Keep walking, keep possessing, keep conquering. For soon, soon you are entering your promised land those things you've been waiting for, hoping for, longing for, believing for. No good thing will I withhold from those who walk uprightly. Keep walking, keep your heads up, and watch what I do for you, says the Lord.